when people are at their lowest point, they, they're grasping for something and it's Christ and they don't know it. And so being able to give them that when they're probably looking for um, the right medical answer, but, but sometimes the answer isn't science, you know, sometimes it's, hey, do you know Jesus? and welcome to Always Invited, a podcast by the Art of Hospitality Co. I'm your host, Kenzie Peters. And I'm your other host, Bella Ponce. We're just two friends with a passion for making people feel valued and empowering them to do the same. Hospitality has become a lost art form in our generation, and it's time we reclaim it for what it was truly designed to be. Learn and grow with us as we talk about the purpose, posture, and practice of biblical hospitality alongside other women who inspire and model a lifestyle of service. So, come on in, pull up a chair, and remember, you're always invited. Welcome in, and welcome back to the good old Always Invited podcast, live from the Green Room, which is currently located in, Ken's Arlington, Texas. Yeah! (laughs) Bella, you're here. You came and visited. Yes, and Aunt Beth, we have a live audience member, Aunt Beth, right here. She's laughing at me. <laughs> yes, we're c- currently at my aunt's house um, recording this because Bella's in town. It's going to be a party weekend. Yes, it is. In the best way, not in a dirty way. <laughs> I don't think anyone would assume it to be in a dirty way. But the word party, you never know. We're going to Need to Breathe concert tonight. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. And then Celebration is this weekend. There's so many things happening. You gotta I, hit up all the coffee shops. And Bella, how long has it been since we've seen each other in the flesh? Uh, two and a half months? No. One and a half? Yes. Yeah. Feels like four. Feels like an eternity. Oh my gosh, can you just feel the energy reverberating? Just <laughs> reverberating? That's a word. Okay, Kez is using big dictionary words here. But truly, guys, when you, when the Lord blesses you with a friendship as sweet as this one, well, first of all, biblical friendships, let's just talk about David and Jonathan for a second, a friendship I truly admired, and in some ways, shape or form, this is a very Jonathan and David friendship. And so, <laughs> when you find someone as good as Ken's, you're going to try everything you can to be near that person. So, oh, it's an honor to be here live. Makes the reunion sweeter when you live apart. <clears throat> yes. So, guys, because we're in Waco, well, not currently, but we will be this weekend. It's fitting that we would interview today a dear friend from Waco, our Waco summer. Um, just to preface, give a little context for today's sweet conversation. Um, when Bella and I were thinking about ideas for this season and what topics we wanted to cover specifically within hospitality, something that came to mind that I'm not very good at, let's just say it, um, is hospitality towards the sick and the vulnerable. And our friend Jen is a nurse in the ICU unit, night shift, no less. She is just an amazing human, and I can't wait for you to hear her wisdom, but it just felt fitting to talk about this, as it seems a little unconventional when it comes to hospitality, but it's so, so important, and especially 
looking at Jesus and his life in the New Testament of how he was so hospitable towards the sick and the lame and the leopards and the blind and the people that were ostracized in in culture and that were shunned and looked down upon and you know people would turn the other way when they saw those lepers coming and yet Jesus went up to them and got close and personal and touched them and healed them and like also addressed their spiritual needs along with their physical needs and there's such a huge connection between our physical and spiritual state so yeah I know this conversation is going to bless you and we can't wait for you to tune in so sit back relax and enjoy the show and grab a cup of joe <laughs> you have a friend named joe we do we should have him on <laughs> okay so today we get to talk with a dear friend of ours we always say that because literally every guest is a dear friend but truly today is so exciting we get to talk to our friend from waco Jen, she is a nurse at an ICU unit in Waco. She's been in Texas her whole life, but she's a true gem. Loved getting to know her the last four months and just have seen such a genuine passion for the Lord and for people and serving other people through her work, but also just through her daily life and how she's learning to do that in different ways. And so just a little backstory of how Bella and I met Jen. Like I said, we were in life group, or we have been in life group together. And the first time I met her, we were at the lake, wake, 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 lake, wake. And she had her dog, Millie, which she might mention, because Millie is her pride and joy. Um, Cute little, what, what is she? Golden doodle. Golden doodle, okay, yes. Golden doodle. And, like, honestly, Millie just compliments your personality so well, because you're very calm and, like, put together, but you also have such a fun, like, silly side and giggly and just like such a fun personality it's been fun to get to know you in that way so Bella what's your I don't know if you want to share first impression or a fun story with Jen yeah, I will yeah so Jen was one of the first people that I met when I moved to Waco and I let me tell you I remember one conversation we had with her in particular at Chipotle after church. Yes. And Ken's and I were bombarding her with questions about her job. We were so intrigued by it. And I felt kind of bad because there was a lot of terms that I didn't know how to use. But I learned so much from that conversation and so much about Jen and her heart for others that day. And let me tell you guys, Jen is Grey's Anatomy in real life. <laughs> she does it all. She's a superwoman. She's also single. So any godly men out there also, yes, I just love how kind and gentle spirited you are. And also am obsessed with your Texan accent. You can say you don't have one, but I recognize it and I absolutely adore it. So Jen, I would love to have you introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do for work, and your favorite thing about the season of life that you are currently in. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Guys. I do not have a Texas accent and I, <laughs> Millie is I definitely my pride that. and joy. So I'm Jen. I grew up in Allen, Texas. I went to school in East Texas at a small college called Laterna University. And now I've been in Waco for the last two and a half years working as an ICU nurse. Um, my favorite thing about this season is probably just like 
building a foundation and lifestyle for my life. I think in like probably through high school, I was pretty naive, didn't really know who I was. And then college is always this kind of weird in-between period. In the past couple of years, I absolutely know who I am in Christ and who I want to be. And just like building that lifestyle and that foundation for the rest of my life is so fun and so exciting. Awesome. Definitely seeing you do that and just how God's worked in your life in the last couple of weeks is crazy. And I can't wait for you to share more about that. Yeah. So how did you stumble into your career path and what makes you so passionate about your job? Um, so I would say I definitely stumbled into nursing. I never thought I would be a nurse. I it wasn't even on my radar coming out of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was good at math and my dad an engineer. So I was like, great, I'll be an engineer. <laughs> and that's why I went to Letourneau because they're highly respected for their engineering program. Um, well, then my third semester of engineering, we got this insane project um, that everyone was very excited about and I had a very different reaction to. Did not sound fun. Uh, and that's kind of was my turning point of okay, this is not something I'm going to be happy in the rest of my life. Um, so by the time I actually made that decision, I had four days to decide a different major or else I was going to have to like have, like take more than four years to go to college. And Loterno is very expensive, so I didn't want to do that. Um, so in those four days, did a lot of researching. I've always been interested in the medical field, but none of my family is in the medical field. I have one aunt that's a nurse but never talked to her about it, had no idea what she did day to day, what nursing looked like. Um, but I decided to go with nursing just because of the variety of things I could do with it, um, the opportunities for higher education um, and things like that. I figured it was a safe bet for not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I chose that within those four days. And then my fourth semester wasn't even in actual nursing school, just in my pre-nursing classes. And absolutely immediately knew that I made the right decision. Loved the education that I was getting, the information that I was being taught so much more. Um, and so just the the way that like God brought me to Letourneau for one reason, but it was actually for a different reason and how everything was just orchestrated by him. It was so beautiful and so comforting. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love my job. I love that the information, it's just interesting to me, but also being there for someone in their most vulnerable position that they didn't ask for is an honor and something very special that I just love. That's so cool. I mean, we've talked about this before and just like how your job allows you to tangibly be the hands and feet of Christ. I mean, not that other jobs don't allow you to do that, but I think the medical field is just a very unique profession in which, like you said, you get to be um, with and for someone in their most vulnerable state when they didn't ask to do that or ask to be in that position. Um, and it was just making me think about how like Jesus himself was the great physician and a lot of his miracles that he performed were healing people. Um, and the crowds came to him and when society were outcasting those people and like, you know, turning them to the streets, he saw them and had compassion on them and he drew close to them. He wasn't afraid to get sick. He wasn't afraid to be looked down upon. He like came close and near to them and, and chose to heal them and their brokenness. And so I'd love for you to just talk about how your job has given you a heart of 
compassion towards the sick and even maybe how you've seen Christ through your job and maybe even appreciated his character more. Um, but yeah, just what does it look like for you to show the hospitality of Christ towards p your patients or even your coworkers, whoever you come across in your workplace? Yeah. Um, so before this job, I thought I knew what sick looked like. I thought that I knew what vulnerability looked like, but um, I, I didn't know it to the extent that I see it day to day now. Um, and so I think the biggest thing for me is, um, one, it's grown my desire to like share the good news, like in the hospital, but even out of it, cause these people, they're, they're on the verge of life or death at the end of the day. And it's like, sometimes they can't talk to me. Um, you know, a lot of our patients are ventilated, uh, which means we have a machine breathing for them and we have them sedated because of that. And it's like, it's just it makes me wonder, like, did anyone share the good news? Did anyone tell them? Because um, they didn't know that they were going to be here today. Um, and so just in right. in the hospital and out of the hospital, it's it's grown my passion for, for sharing it because life is so short. We have no idea um, when we're going to end up in the ICU, when we're, um, when we're going to pass. And it's just so important that that we do share that good news because if we didn't, then I feel like that's on us as Christians. Um, that that we didn't take that opportunity to save that person. Um, well, at the end, you know, God's the only one that saves, but to at least tell them about it so that God could. Um, and so as for like hospitality in, in the hospital, um, I would say a lot of it is in my job description. Um, things that we are required to do, you know, bathing patients, cleaning them up, turning them so make sure they're comfortable, um, serving them food, things like that. Um, but I think it it all matters your heart behind it. Are you doing it because it's required? Are you doing it because you're supposed to? Or are you doing it because as Christians we're called to do it? Um, and are you doing it because you want to show the love of Christ through your actions? Um, I think there's absolutely a difference. I think one person um, can do an act of hospita hospitality and then another person um, can do the same act, but do it um, from a place of love of the love of Christ and to show them the love of Christ. And it feels different um, and it has a different effect. Um, and so I feel so blessed that in my profession, like you said, there's opportunities all around me um, to one share the love of Christ with my actions, um, but also to talk about it. Um, a big aspect that a lot of people don't think about is the patient's family members. Um, it's scary, you know, uh, with patients in the ICU, they have tubes coming out of everywhere. They're put to sleep by medication. There's a bunch of medications that they're getting at, a same t at the same time. And if you don't have the medical background to know what's going on, it's terrifying to look at of just like this person is on life support in many different ways um, and and just being there for uh, those patients family members um, is something that I didn't anticipate going into nursing um, a big part of it is just educating them and telling them exactly what's going on down to the physiological aspect of it. Uh, because if they have more knowledge, then there's less unknown and it's less scary. Um, but then also, hey, do you know about Jesus? Like, he 
he can comfort you kind of thing um because then it's even less scary um and he can he can provide more than i ever could um and so yeah it's just like grown my compassion for um all people in in the hospital and out of the hospital and i think it's I, I'm just, I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. So awesome. That's so cool. And I think you've shared with us some pretty intense stories, but I'm always blown away by how calm your composure is and just your gentleness in certain situations. Cause I can't even imagine mm-hmm. what, you know, either of us and how we would respond in situations mm-hmm. like that. And so it even makes me think of even in Matthew, I was reading the other day, how two there was two blind men on the side of the street and they were just calling out to the Lord and he was just like walking I don't know where he was going but it was so cool because they were like have mercy on us like can you please heal us and I mean just with the simplicity of his words like Jesus could have instantly healed these people with his words but yet decides to go towards them sit down get on their level and touch their eyes like he didn't have to do that but it was so personable in his actions and his words and just with that simple touch of his comfort it was they were healed and it's just so inspiring and I think you recognizing that you have the opportunity to meet someone in their vulnerability is incredible and um, you know you set the demeanor through your words and your actions like it's just so awesome and so kind of like a sidebar that I wanted to touch on Um, because you were just in the Dominican Republic, which is crazy cool hearing a little bit about your experience. But I would love to know any differences that you saw between the cultural hospitality there and hospitality here. Is there any difference? Um, Yeah, if you could speak into that. Yeah, I could absolutely tell a difference. So just a little bit backstory. I was there for a week, four days we did... um, a pop-up medical clinic, um, in a, in a lower, a a poverty area. Um, and you know, also as a nurse, I had the opportunity to work as a provider there, um, under a doctor with standing orders and all that stuff. So it wasn't as scary as it sounds. Uh, but a patient would sit in front of me, um, and I would, you know, I was practicing my Spanish. I was like, hola, como estas? We know we're Um, And they would, they would introduce themselves. And then they would say, I live a couple houses down. You're always welcome. And it was like, like my translator would tell me what they said. And I was like, like, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I just met you. I just told you my name and you're inviting me over. Um, and then every single day we had a person that, and it was different and we didn't ask anyone to, but they would bring all the the people that were working in the med clinic food. We got like fresh squeezed papaya juice one day. That was like the best juice I've ever had. And like, and out of just like love and kindness and hospitality, like no, no other reason. And also just putting them into perspective, like this was, they did not have a lot of money in this area. Um, like we went to one of the houses and it was cement walls, dirt floors, no AC, the size of probably the room that I'm in now. And, and even at that, they were hospitable to us because we were there helping them. And so absolutely could tell a difference, um, in the cultural hospitality and just their, their genuine kindness, um, 
Um, I think that in the U.S. we've kind of lost some of that. Um, from what I've seen, a lot of the hospitality is, well, what kind of like show off hospitality like oh I'm gonna put it all over my Instagram I had all these people over and it was beautiful um but doing it just because you you want to do it and because um like you have the love of Christ and you want to share that and you care about others um to that level that you're willing to sacrifice maybe your next meal to give someone else theirs um was something that I was not expecting whenever I got there but I'm so thankful for you shared too, like you shared in life group a little bit about your experience and realization within the medical aspect of your trip and serving those people's needs, but also seeing their spiritual needs. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you just share like some of that experience and what you're taking away? Yeah. So um, a lot of the patients that I would get, they would sit in front of me and that you could tell their posture was um, kind of reserved they were they didn't really know you yet um they invited you to their house but they still aren't sure about you um and they're just kind of just kind of testing the waters you know and and as I was just showing love and care and um genuine kindness towards them as I was asking them about their symptoms about what was going on um about what they've taken in the past etc etc um you could slowly like see their posture change Um, and that they were becoming more open and receptive to what I was saying because they could see that I, I actually did care about them. Um, and, and so by the time I finished, I would tell them, okay, I'm going to give you these medications. Here's how they work. This is why I'm doing it. Um, kind of thing. And then you, at that point, they're like smiling, they're happy, like, oh, I got what I needed. Um, and then I would end it with, is there anything I can pray for, for you? Can we pray together now? kind of thing and so then we would pray and and it was it was crazy because they would open their eyes like we would open our eyes from praying and even their posture in their eyes and their smile from when we closed our eyes to when we opened them was so much greater than the change from when they sit down first sat down to whenever they got their physical needs met and so it just like physically showed me in real time how much more important spiritual care is than medical care. Um, and it's, it's so much more needed, but a lot of people don't even know that they need it kind of thing. And, and providing that medical care and having, um, the ability to do that just gives us opportunity to share the love of Christ through, through meeting those medical needs. But then, um, having their posture change and be more open to accepting the spiritual care too, and then realizing, wow, I needed that. Wait, tell me more about this. And and it was just special to see. And I think that I kind of got out of that in the U.S. because U.S. culture, especially in hospitals, is get in, get out, uh, fix them real quick, um, kind of pace. And and on the mission trip, are having it more on the forefront of my mind, I was like, I need to do this back at home. I have the ability to do this back at home and I'm not doing it as often as I should be. I'm not doing it with every patient because it might seem taboo. It might seem, I might get judged. I might get rejected. But at the end of the day, this is eternity we're talking about and none of that matters, you know? And so definitely was life-changing in 
in how I nurse and how I'm going to nurse differently in the U.S. now um, because I physically saw how much how much more people need their spiritual care and how medical care can be an entrance into providing that. They don't get emotional. Wow. <laughs> so awesome. It even makes me think of Maslow. This is so random, but it makes me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what we learned in our marketing class and like people like who's Maslow? <laughs> Second, I was like, <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, what? Come from Maslow. <laughs> yeah, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like consumers aren't going to engage in product if their physical needs aren't being met. And so it's like so much of that too is first meeting their physical needs, but then also helping them recognize their spiritual need as well. How both physical and spiritual can, you know, go together and it's just so important. But it's so awesome that you're able to recognize that and do that correlation. Um, so talking to people that may not be on the front lines of <laughs> medical uh professions yeah what are some practical ways that we can be showing hospitality towards the vulnerable despite not being in the medical field what is that oh, how are you afraid of blood like me? <laughs> <laughs> well there's um i think there's vulnerable people all around there's chronically sick people all around um i mean we probably see people on the daily at stores that are struggling to walk or um, to carry things or to reach things. Um, and I think at the end of the day, most people want the same thing and that's love and to be respected. Um, I think a lot of times we see um, someone in need and we assume that they want our help and that they, they want our care. Uh, I think it's important to ask. Um, Hey, can I help you with this? Because that's showing you care about them, but you also respect them um, and not assuming that they need something. Um, I can't compare to like most people, but the only thing that from like personal experience is whenever I tore my ACLs and I was in crutches and couldn't walk super well, like I, I didn't want to be looked at as different than everyone else. I wanted, I didn't want to feel lesser than or like I couldn't do something even though I couldn't do some things and maybe that's out of pride or maybe that's just because I want to be treated the same but I think a lot of people with these chronic illnesses don't want um don't want to be pitied don't want to be baby they want to be treated the same and so I think asking um for permission is so important and gives them that level of, of respect while also showing that you care about them and you want to help them if they if they want it. Um, so I think that's one way is, you know, being hospitable in day-to-day uh, -day life uh, with respect. Um, I also would say just like the power of prayer. Like if you're driving by a hospital, just like let that be your reminder. You see a sign that reminds you of it. You know, there's probably thousands, maybe even millions of people in the hospital right now. Um, that may not know Jesus or need healing. And I think that we forget the power of prayer and how it's the most powerful thing that we can do. Um, and and so just praying for those people and that they know Jesus and that they would know Jesus and that, you know, uh, he would put their, his healing hand on them and, and show them Christ. And then also the family members is so important. Also, this is kind of like a sidebar, but 
Um, I had this realization like a couple days ago. It's so weird, but like your your patient and your patient's family members, most of your patient family members are still living their life. Like they have to go home. Like they have to go to the grocery store. They have to go eat dinner, and their dad just had a heart attack. You know, and so just being having grace to those around you also because you have no idea what they're going through. Um, their dad could have just had a heart attack and they're having to go eat dinner and they might not be super nice to you or like your funny jokes, but it's because they're going through something else, um, is so important. Uh, and something that I think we lose touch of, of, oh, they're just rude. Oh, they didn't do that, you know, but we just have no idea what's going on in people's lives and, and just having grace because Jesus would have grace for them. It's good though, how you're able to recognize obviously that people's needs need to be met physically, spiritually, but also emotionally as well. And emotionally giving that grace to situations that you may not understand. And there's so much that happens behind closed doors. I know when like, I think that the emotional part is one of the hardest things to stay strong when a family member or a loved one is sick. And I know my natural response is just to fall apart. And it's like, well, that's not helpful to the person that's vulnerable because they're so weak and they need people around them to be strong for them. But I'm just responding out of mm-hmm. fear or anxiety so that I just like get mad at the situation and <laughs> it's just a whole thing. So I have a lot of room to grow in this area. And I love just the idea of praying when you pass a hospital. It's so practical. Really cool. I also wanted to touch on, you mentioned stories in Dominican Republic, but are there any stories that you've experienced in the U.S. in your hospital where you've been able to minister to people's spiritual and physical needs, like specifically? Yeah. um, The first one that comes to mind is a lady that took care of probably over a year ago now. Um, she had a lot of chronic issues. Um, she already had one leg that was amputated years prior and her other leg was infected. Um, and she didn't have any family. And so she had two options. She could either get the other, her only leg left amputated and live in a nursing home the rest of her life, or she could go on hospice. And she asked me, she was like, what would you do? And I was like, I cannot tell you that. Like, I don't know what I would do and I can't convince you or give you any advice because that is a literal life decision. And so I just kind of looked at her whenever she asked me and I was like, what do I even respond to that? Um, so I responded with the gospel and I said, do you know Jesus? And, um, she didn't. I was able to explain it and just tell her, you know, what what you're asking from me, I can't give you, but Jesus can. Like, you can you can pray to him and like, you know, get get more understanding and and comfort in him because I can't make that decision for for you, and I can't I couldn't even give you advice on that because that's such a huge thing, but. But that's just an example of how, like, when people are at their lowest point, they, they're they grasping for something, and it's Christ, and they don't know it. And so being able to give them that when they're probably looking for um, the right medical answer, but but sometimes the answer isn't, isn't science, you know? Sometimes it's, hey, do you know Jesus? Um, 
And so just being able to to be there for patients that are able to talk to me and and ask and I can tell they're searching for more and being able to give them the most in that knowledge isn't always accepted, but it's an amazing opportunity that I get. But then also, uh, like I said, like inpatient family members and in their fear and giving them comfort um, in that way um, is another opportunity. Did she end up passing away or was she okay? Honestly, I have no idea. I was off for like several days after that and she was not there, which could mean that she went hospice or it could mean that she got the amputation and was on a different floor because she was doing better without the infected leg. So I don't know. And if she's with Jesus, is she? Yeah, either way. Yeah. Wow. I'm so blown away. I think I could be doing so much more. I'm like, do I need to switch careers? <laughs> kidding. No, I could never. <laughs> I'm like, you want me to do what? <laughs> the Lord gives us good gift. <laughs> yeah. But Jen, truly incredible experience, vicariously living through your career. I am constantly blown away by every conversation I have with you. You truly are a superwoman, and thank you so much, Wonder Woman. No, Yes, you are by the spirit. Truly, it's just so blown away by the work that God has been doing in your life. And I'm just so excited to see what this next step looks like that he has for you in your career. Um, but kind of ending on a high note. So because this podcast is always <laughs> called, is always called, sorry. It is always, <laughs> it always is. Because it's called Always Invited. What has been the most impactful invitation you have received? This is so easy. So I have been a believer, I would say my whole life, but I haven't been walking with Christ my whole life. Um, and so I moved to Waco two and a half years ago and probably seven-ish months in, I my life just got turned upside down. I was emotionally the lowest I've ever been. I was in Waco with zero family, with friends that I had met seven months ago. Um, and I have a coworker who is a little bit older than me and she knew everything that I was going through. Um, and she invited me to Harris Creek. And oh. I, I think just even the invitation was a reminder um, of the goodness of God and how Wow, I'm at my lowest. I need to be depending on God, not sulking. Um, and so I couldn't even tell you what the sermon was. It wasn't about like the sermon that I went to. It was just about the reminder of um, the goodness of God and how he has a plan. And so because of that invitation and because of that reminder, just went like head first into the word, into community, into getting involved with the church and absolutely changed my life. I would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for that invitation. And so I am forever grateful to her. Um, and side note, that just shows the importance of inviting people to church and telling people about the gospel because it can change their life like it changed mine. That's, That's amazing. So Why am I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, emotions are high. <laughs> Praise God. 
we're glad that you went to Harris Creek so we could meet you. Yes. And be friends. Me too. You. <laughs> well, Jen, thank you so much again for sharing all your wisdom and experiences. Mm-hmm. I know I was blessed. I hope people listening are inspired to start small like you don't have to go save the world just start with the person in your family that's vulnerable or friends i mean there's always people that we can love and have compassion on and i certainly am inspired to start doing that more um but thank you again i'm so thankful for you thank you for having me so fun Yes. And we want to thank everyone else for tuning in to this week's episode, tangibly being the hands and feet of Christ. And we hope that you will start taking these things into practice because I know Ken's and I are going to start doing that. Um, and we will see you guys next week. And remember, you're always advised.